Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Witham, and welcome to Season 2 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. In this season, we want to focus on practical discussions about unity within the Stone Campbell movement and beyond. Jesus valued unity and prayed for it, that we may all be one so that the world may know. We believe unity is best achieved through relationships rather than beginning with disagreements over doctrine, practice, or ideology. We value the gathering, breaking bread, and sharing a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We invite you to gather with another Christian outside your particular family of churches and tell others that unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another episode of the Common Ground Unity Podcast. Welcome back to the Common Ground Unity Podcast. I want to say to our listeners that our conversation today is kind of taking up where we left off last week. We have two terrific uh, guests with us who are here from the Space Makers Podcast. And maybe you've had the opportunity since we uh, were last uh, on your uh, dial. Boy, that sounds old school. It almost sounds radio, doesn't it? Since, uh, since you last listened to us, maybe you've had the opportunity to check out their podcast um, Isabel Gates and Megan Whitcomb are with us, and they are two of the, the team members. they got a number of team members that they do this podcast with who have joined us uh, last week and now this week for a conversation about what their goals are, what they're doing on the podcast, what the conversations are about. And, uh, and then we talked a little bit about some of their favorite podcasts and some places they'd like to go with it. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Tina Bruner. Tina, glad to be back with you. I uh, hope everything's going well on your end of the country. We kind of bookend America. I'm out here on the West Coast and she's on the East Coast. Tina, how are you? Everything is good here. Uh, in Kentucky, we're getting ready for the Kentucky Derby. So it's, you know, a two-week event and yeah, people are losing their minds. Do you have a special hat you wear? Uh, um, you know, no. <laughs> But there, there are plenty of special hats around. I'll bet. Have you ever so, been to the Derby? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. boy. That'd be fun. Yeah. So, yeah, everything is good out here. I'm super excited about having another episode with Isabel and Megan and just talking about um, Space Makers podcast, which I think the name Space Makers is fantastic. Um, I think it's something all of us can think about. How are we making space for things that are uncomfortable for us or making space for people who there's no space for them. Um, so I, I love um, what you guys have done and I'm super excited. And several of the space makers are in Los Angeles. And so this question uh, has a surfing thing to it for our California um Space maker. At crowded surfing destinations, one might notice surfers further out from the pack waiting for the wave set. The idea is that waves come in sets or groups that are larger and more powerful than the rest. Drawing on this analogy, could something similar be happening in our culture and in the culture of the church? That periodically a generational wave set, much bigger and more powerful than normal, hits the culture and the church. Do you think that something like that is happening today? Yeah, I love this question. Um, okay, so 
Yes, I guess is the short answer. <laughs> um, but I think we've touched on it a couple times in the podcast, and I think we touched on it a little bit in this last one. But I guess to further um, talk about it, just like I think every generation is obviously like different in terms of like when they were, you know, what's happening in the world and all this stuff. And I mean, honestly, even like if you look at the history of the church, which I'm sure you guys do all the time, um, is like the thing with the history of like the Stone Campbell movement and all these things, it's like there has been this like big wave of change every few hundred years. There's like studies about this. I won't like say specific years because I feel like I'm going to quote it wrong, but um, basically like, you know, Martin Luther came and then he changed things. And a few hundred years later, like, you know, like somebody else came and then he changed things. And so I think, I think, you know, it would be, I don't know, a missed opportunity if we thought that now in 2022, we're not going to go through any of those changes. Because I think if we look back on all the changes that have happened in Christianity throughout history, we see those things as mostly good things in terms of like, okay, let's reframe, let's look back, you know, some, some of those shifts were better than others. But I think in general, it's like, okay, like, I'm glad about where we are right now, but like, I think it would again be a missed opportunity if we thought, oh, but we're done now. We're not going to change anymore. We're not, we don't have these big shifts and ideals to do anymore. We're good. Like whatever movement you're a part of. Um, if, I mean, for me, it was the ICOC and it's like, okay, well, we're, we're done. Like we already did the changing and we're all good now. I think that would be such a waste, honestly. And I think, um, I think there is a huge shift happening right now, and I feel like everyone's seeing it in every part of Christianity. You're just seeing like this wave of, I don't know, and in, in like generational tension that's happening. And I, I say generational, but with a caveat, because there are people of different generations that believe similar things to like younger people or whatever. So I say generational but it's more like the idea than the actual people, if that makes sense. Um, and so I think in terms of what's happening right now, I feel like it makes total sense that there's huge shifts right now because you think about where culture is at. You think about where academia is at and things that we're learning. You think about just the fact that there is the internet and social media. And I mean, my generation, like, I mean, I'm kind of Gen Z millennial, but like, this young generation is the first generation to grow up with the internet at our fingertips all the time. So of course that's going to change the way we think. Of course that's going to frame how we see the world. Like how could it not? It's, it's, it changes everything. If you're, you grew up since you were like five years old and you, you know, you log on to your phone or your laptop or whatever you're allowed to have at five years old and you already see what's going on in China. And like, you know, like you're 12 years old and you're like, oh, this bomb happened here or this whatever, like you see, you grow up and your world is so like small in a way, like you, it's, you, of course it's going to change the way that we think. Um, and that doesn't mean that we're like better than anyone or anything. It's just that, it's different. And I think um, if that doesn't, if that means like, how do I say that? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just different. And I think that that means that there is going to have to be a lot of change um, in in the way that we function. And 
um, the way that we think. And so I think it just like, I don't know, I feel like it makes total sense. And I think it's something that's honestly wonderful. Like, I love the fact that we can have these conversations online. I love the fact that we can um, reach so many different people with so many different experiences all the time. I think Jesus would have hopped on this. Like, I think Jesus would have been so excited about how connected we all are. Um, I don't think it's something that would have scared him. I think he would be, I don't know, especially like somebody who's like millennial Gen Z. I see even like the people that are in high school right now. And I'm like, I see the things that they're talking about, just like literally like teenagers. They're not even, they don't know where what they're going to major in, but they do know that like, black people like deserve you know reparations or whatever it is like like they're already talking about these things and i'm just so blown away by the people that are even younger than me and i see the things that they're talking about the things that they care about and i'm like oh my gosh i feel like if jesus was on earth today he would be so excited about gen z and so excited about their compassion and you know the thing like the compassion that we have to have growing up seeing everything all the time um so yeah (laughs) I love that um the only thing that I think I would add other than what Isabel talked about with like the impact of globalization and how that's um totally made I've definitely heard people be like oh like we've we've gone through this before and you know like we've seen this over and over and over again but I think we're feeling it so heavily because you know, globalization, and we're just so interconnected now with the internet and everything. Um, But I think another thing that's caused um, this to feel so much more is that, um, at least in the ICOC, I can't speak for other aspects of the Stone-Campbell movement because I've never participated in it, but there was a lot of rhetoric that um, invalidated outside resources Um, And so we would only ever read, listen to, like, trust resources that were within the ICOC. And I would say only within the past, like, few years have we ever really gone outside of that scope. And so now that we're starting to read resources that, like, challenge our worldview or challenge, like, oh, well, I'm reading this person, like... I'm reading this and like, that actually makes sense. And like, you know, and so like, we're starting to actually trust different resources and this next generation, because we grew up with the internet and because we grew up with um, like having to do internet searches and actually like vet sources and see what's credible. And um, as a part of our like adult, like childhood and like how we were raised We've never really been afraid of like outside like resources and things like that because like we've always learned how to like, okay, I can trust this. Oh, I can't trust that. Oh, I can trust this. Oh, I can't trust that. But I remember my mom like being like, oh no, well like they don't believe in that. So we can't trust anything that they say. And I was like, huh? Like that whole sermon, we can't take anything from that because they did what? It's like, you know what I mean? And so I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, just that rhetoric was so loud in the 80s and 90s. And so only recently have I seen that that has been like kind of debunked a little bit. And so 
the only thing I wanted to add is I've seen that that's shifted. And so now more people are accepting more amounts of information, which is changing people's minds a lot more. And so I'm seeing how that's also contributing to this massive wave of people um, being like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of info. Um, so that's the only thing that I wanted to add um, to what Isabel had already shared. Boy, good, good points, ladies. I mean, it seems like to go back to that wave analogy, I mean, it seems like the, the wave that's kind of come upon us is one of the bigger waves. Every generation has and, and does struggle with how do you pass the baton of our faith to the next generation? Um, so with this kind of massive wave of change that you all have just described, which I think is just spot on, uh, from your perspective, how does creating space help the church navigate through these really difficult times of transition? Yeah, I think I'm going to try to like answer this without being too redundant, but I think like it's just so important to have conversation where everyone is respected equally, no matter who they are, no matter if you're talking to a 15 year old or like a 50 year old. And like, I just think that's so important because I mean, especially like, um, I don't know how different, um, how y'all's churches do the things, but, um, at least in the ICOC, it's like, I was baptized when I was 13 and they told me, okay, you're an adult now. You're, you can make adult decisions. That's why, you know, you're ready to make this decision. And so I'm like, well, if we baptize 13 year olds, can't we like listen to them? Like they're our brothers and sisters. Like we have, you have to pick one or the other. If you're not going to listen to them until they're 25 and married, then don't baptize them until 20, they're 25 and married. Cause apparently they're not adults. <laughs> um, and so I think that's really important is just like, listening to people no matter what. And I think um, power dynamics definitely play a lot um, to that. And Meigs actually did a really good um, sermon one time, which I always like think about when I'm talking about power dynamics and talking about how that um, really influences like your, your relationships with people and how that impacts the church. You know, like I think it's very important to have these conversations, but not only to invite different types of people to the table, but to have let everyone actually have that same level of respect, of authority, of whatever it is. Um, because I think what can often happen is like somebody with a lot of power and privilege can be like, here's the mic for five minutes. I'm going to listen to you, but then not actually do what you're <laughs> not actually do anything about it. But it's like, okay, well, what would happen if maybe like different types of people actually had more say and had more like actually had more say and it's not just like okay well I'll give say. you yeah I'll give you two minutes of, of of talking time but it's like okay well let's just all be building this thing together and um so I think that's really important I think um participating in other people's I don't know like community like I think when adults don't get on social media as much. I think that can be a little, um, it can make things a little hard, not saying that you have to be on it all the time because I think boundaries are important and mental health is important and living your life is important. But I'm saying like, I don't know, there's different ways that we can kind of be in each other's worlds. And I think that would help too. Um, Cause I think the thing is um, the older generation usually 
sets up the world that the younger people have to go into. Um, And so usually, especially if we're at church, we're at the mercy of whatever the older people want to say or want to do and all these things. So like 99% of the time (laughs) in the church, like we're in your world of the older generation of the people who have the power to say whatever. And so I think it is the the job of people who have that say to kind of be like, okay, well, how can I connect with the, with, with young people or the people who don't get the mic as much, if that makes sense. Um, And so if that means just having lunch with people who are in a different generation than you, if that means um, like genuinely, you know, asking them what they think and actually listening. And if you don't agree, keep on asking questions and at least you can understand. Um, If that means making an Instagram account to see what people are talking about. Um, If that means like looking at the news and seeing, oh, what are, why are people so invested in politics? What, what are they so upset about? What, what's going on? And um, obviously again, having boundaries and being healthy about it, but I think that there's ways that we can kind of participate and come to each other's levels and keep those power dynamics in mind, if that makes sense. I think a word that you all have used quite a bit um, on your podcast and on the first podcast we did with you guys is humility. And I think Mm -hmm. that's something that's hard for all of us, regardless of our age. Um, And those of us who have privilege or positions of power, we don't intuitively understand that we have that. And so I think uh, that surrounding ourselves with diverse um, friendships and opinions and life stages and uh, all of that just helps us better understand and translate what the gospel says about who our neighbor is and how we're supposed to respond to people in need or people who are different. So um, I really appreciate that. I've been learning um, a lot about uh, an idea called collective impact, and it does talk so much about power differentials and um, how when you come together, how you have to, there is a lot of work in making it equal for everyone, like not just in the amount of time that people get, but that their voice is equal. And I think that that's really a difficult thing for the church. And so I really appreciate the the work that you all are doing to kind of bring that to the front so that we can learn how to do this better for sure. Uh, can you, we were talking about unity. Um, you all talk about you're, if somebody were to say define unity, not unity across the whole Stone Campbell movement or even unity in ICOC or, but unity in general for your generation, what does unity look like? How would you define it? Mm, I guess just quickly, like, um, I think for me, it's, it's a lot about love and not drawing lines between people and not thinking you're better than people or you can tell them how what to do or what's healthy for them and things like that. Just kind of mutual respect um, is what I think of it as. I think it can be so many things. Um, I think it means, I think it doesn't, what it, unity doesn't mean is like uniformity. I think it's celebrating people's differences and acknowledging that you can agree to disagree, but still love each other and still listen when you are doing something that hurts them. Um, And just like 
I don't know. Just seeing each other as people and not as like threats or good people or bad people or lesser people or better people and just seeing everyone as people that are created by God. I don't know if that's too vague, but makes I don't know if you wanted to add to that. Um, I think like the word that I think of is being like reconciled with people. Um, like that doesn't mean that you like I said, like it doesn't mean that you agree, but it's like to me like some of the most valued friendships that I have and relationships that I have are people that they are like, I love that for you. And this is what I believe for me. And like, I see your perspective for you and I cherish that for you. And I'm going to hold you to what you believe for you. And I hope that you would hold me to the beliefs that I have for me. I hope that made sense. Um, And we have this relationship and we are like so good, you know, and we're going to be like best friends or we're going to be whatever. And it doesn't, and whatever we believe, like we're not unified because of what we believe, but because we choose to be in right relationship with each other because we love each other and we value our friendship. Um, And so that's just a process that I've learned because some of my friends have decided to believe different things than me when we used to believe everything the same. (laughs) And so we've had to have like those talks where it's like, okay, so you believe that now. I believe this now. How are we going to coexist? You know, and we need to figure out how to be whatever. So it's like, okay, I want to be reconciled to you. And this can't be a point of contention for us anymore. But I don't want our beliefs to get in the way of us being 100% reconciled with one another. And I think of that in my relationship with God, too. You know, like, I think of my unification with God as just being reconciled with him in every way, shape and Mm -hmm. form. So when I think of unity, I think of reconciliation in the same way as like the Stone Campbell movement, like we choose to be unified and we choose to be reconciled, like despite beliefs or maybe even because of our beliefs, because each one of us has something to offer to one another, you know? Um, So that's just like a word that I really like to use. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like loving, choosing to love people and choosing people over your beliefs, if that makes sense. Like choosing love over the specifics of what you interpret from the Bible or whatever that is, like just choosing like, okay, well, do I 100% agree with this person? Would I do all these things if I were them? No, but am I going to just choose to love them above all else? Then yes. And I do have a lot of friends who like believe different things than me, um, but I, that that never gets in the way of how I interact with them. And I think of so many of my friends that, especially now that I kind of exist in this in-between of like, I'm not a member of my old church, um, but I'm also not in this camp of like, the church is so bad, like, you know, shame on you, all this stuff. And so I'm trying to exist in this space where I'm like, I want to have unity with everyone that's just trying to love um, and trying to love God and love people and whatever they're, you know, we're all just humans living our lives and trying to figure it out. And so for me, it's like, 
yeah, I have coffee with um, church leaders or or people who are still very much in the church. And I, you know, we talk and we don't always see eye to eye, but I always tell them how much I love them. And we still, you know, I still, I'm like, I see the person. I don't see like this, you know, um, these weird like lines that we often draw of like, I'm out of the church and you're in the church. So or I'm in this church and you're in that church and we disagree on this one thing. And so, and I, you know, I'm sure you guys are agree because common grounds, but um, yeah, I feel like even, I don't know. I feel like I'm just in this place of like, who am I to know? Who am I to know like how you should live your life? Who am I to know um, how, I don't know, like what you, what, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. I'm not God. Like, I just love you. If you're doing something that's very, like dangerous to you or unhealthy or you seem not okay, I'm going to say something about it, obviously. But in the end, I just love you. And like, we don't have to be the same. That's fine. That's beautiful, actually. Um, so, yeah. Is is there, kind of listening to you all, it does raise a question for me. How do you keep that from drifting into relativism? And how do you, you know, as believers, we do have some core things we hold in common that say this is what binds us together uniquely as believers. So there's, there's, you know, there's loving everybody in the world, but then there's seeing that um, we're a community of believers in Christ who say Jesus is Lord. So how do you, how do you hold those things without it drifting us into, hey, everybody just decides for themselves what's right and wrong? How would you guys respond to that? So I mean, I do think of like that scripture that talks about that we're not supposed to judge those outside the church, but like judge those that are like inside the church only. And so like I personally don't find it to be my job to, I don't know if this is what you're talking about. So correct me if I'm going into the wrong direction, but for people who aren't trying to be Christians like at all, I don't find it to be my job at all to like correct them to like be a sense or to like, you know, um, what's the word? Yeah. To correct them, to try to, um, be judgmental. I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'm not trying to convert them if that's not something that they're even interested in at all. Um, my job is to just, in my opinion, personally, is to just be a loving friend. Um, yeah, to just be a friend to them and to just be an example of God's love to them in their life. And they know that I'll be a safe place to them. And for me, I feel like that's the best example of God's love that I could ever uh, give, uh, if that makes sense. And then they know who to come to um, if they ever were to, like, if they ever were to be interested in that, uh, eventually. Um, but then when it comes to, you know, the body of believers, it's kind of like, okay, drawing lines, like, is that, and then, and then we get into like that conversation of like, okay, the drawing lines situation, like, (laughs) uh, like, like that, that gets, that gets interesting too. And so I'll be the first person to say that I don't have the answers. I would prefer to see people as a brother or sister first um, than to see them as an outsider. Um, So that's, I don't know if that answers your question, but 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, Marty Solomon also does, I think, touches this on his, like, the podcast episode that we did with him. Um, And I remember being totally, like, blown away by him. So um, he's the one who has the Bama podcast, um, if people don't know who Marty Solomon is, um, which you should go listen to that episode because it was so good. Um, I think he does this thing where he's, like, I don't know, because I was I was poking at him, too. And I was like, well, what about like when people say like we have to stand for something, you know, like, yes, let's love each other. But like we have to stand for something or whatever. And he's like, do we? And I was like, Marty, what? <laughs> like, And it was just this interesting like, I don't know. I just think the the bottom line, God is love. And um, I just obviously, again, again, like me, because I'm like, I don't have all the answers, but I just do know that if I were to choose between taking a stand about interpretation of the Bible or whatever it is, and if I were to choose between that and loving someone and making them feel loved, um, then I will always choose the person. And I think Jesus would too, um, which I know is like a really complicated conversation. Um, but I don't know. Those are just my thoughts on it right now. <laughs> it, it, it's a tension, isn't it? Because, it is. you know, every generation wrestles with this. So, you know, sometimes, yeah. you know, one, one generation, maybe, maybe those that are older can be accused of drawing the line so narrowly. And yet there are some, there are some lines drawn. I mean, there's people that John said, Hey, don't even eat with such a person or, Hey, if somebody's engaged in this, you know, they can't even be in the fellowship of the church. And so I think, you know, we've all got to wrestle with that. And, uh, it, so, so we'll continue to generation to generation, won't we? That uh, that God loves everybody, but He is pulling together a people to to live live a life in Christ. I'm glad you guys are wrestling with questions. Um, it seems that you know many young people today are leaving uh, traditional church settings. Uh, some not so young as well, by the way, and, and yet. Yet often they're not abandoning their faith in Jesus. Some are leaving for house churches or other places of worship, and it's true that some are leaving the faith altogether. Why do you think this is happening? What do you think's going on? Hear, hearing from from your group, having these conversations. Oh man, there's a lot. Um, I think. First of all, I don't want to speak for everybody because it's different for everyone and there's so many reasons. I do acknowledge and believe that there is this like mass exodus right now, which is kind of crazy. At least I've seen in my side of the world. Um, I feel like every week there's somebody new who's like leaving and I mean, who's leaving their church that they were a part of, whether that's for a house church or um, another church or faith altogether. Um, and obviously I'm not gonna, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm just saying this is what I've been seeing. I'm not saying what's good or what's bad. I'm just saying what, what I've been seeing is there's a lot of reasons. Um, a lot of people are in this camp of like, they're just hurt, um, by the church. And so they leave, um, Again, whether that's for another church or another faith community or or just none altogether, there's some people who um, just found a different church that they liked and they just wanted to go there. <laughs> um, there's some people who just kind of, I don't know, maybe like they grew up and then they realized that the faith that they had as children just 
they don't have that anymore. And so I, I don't know. I think it's hard to just say that like, oh, this is why, because it's so different because everyone has such different experiences. I think what I've seen a lot is like young people saying, having problems with the way that churches run or church culture and then bringing it up with leadership not being listened to. And so they decide to leave. So I've seen that a lot. And those issues can be anywhere from legalism to um, certain identities and people not being represented or respected or safe in the church, whether that's um, for some people, they're not okay with um, gender role stuff or the way that we treat LGBTQ plus individuals or the way that um, we handle racial tensions. It's different for everyone. It'll depend on obviously the church and the individual and so, but these are just like, I guess, patterns that we've seen throughout the churches that we've had our ears to the ground of. And so that that's not, I'm not just saying that about any one particular church, but probably several um, that we've seen. Um, so there's a lot of that. Um, a lot of people, um, I guess, got a little also like burned out and realized during the pandemic, like how much stuff they were doing. And so I noticed that was a pattern too of like, oh, like, I can rest and then like, oh, what's that? Like, I don't have to go like to five events a week to feel super, you know, like filled up and like, what does that mean for me? And then when I stop attending certain things, like then all of a sudden leadership isn't okay with that. So like, what, you know, what does that mean for me? So there's just a lot of things like that. There's some people um, who had mental health struggles. And so that, you know, obviously a, a million different like um, experiences under that umbrella. But um, yeah, so there's a lot of different like certain patterns that we've been seeing. And so we're trying to cover that in the podcast, obviously. But um, yeah, there's just, it's, it's, it varies a lot. And I think there are things that I've seen that it's like, oh, maybe that's a little bit of a healthier mindset to leave with. And that's maybe not as healthy. Um, obviously, again, who am I to judge? Cause I'm not them, but you know, there, there's such a wide variety of like some people that they're like so much happier. Some people are like not doing, you know, it's you, it, you really never know. Isabel, <laughs> um, is anybody that you're uh, hearing stories from saying, you know what, I'm leaving church because Jesus is a jerk. And uh, I just really don't like, like the values of, <laughs> no. you know, like, being like Jesus is not for me. Mm-mm. No, and- I, honestly, I see. I mean, I have a few friends that are like, they don't like religion altogether. But I feel like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the people that I've heard from are like, but Jesus was cool. Like either whether or not they keep on following, they're like that Jesus dude was cool. And as I think, a lot of the people that do leave whatever church capacity that they were a part of, they're still like. I do want to follow that Jesus guy, like, um, which I think, I think is very interesting. And some people that even believe that they can follow that Jesus guy better in a different context than they were in. Um, I'm not saying whether it was right or wrong, but that's just what they've been saying. So in the last episode, um, that you guys did, you, you, each of the space makers did some reflecting on, like what God's taught you over this last year and kind of in keeping with the last question, like how would you describe Jesus differently or, or God differently 
now than at the beginning of the podcast, your relationship with him or how you see Jesus? I think we kind of said it in the last episode, but like Jesus and God just got like blown out of the water for me. Um, because also we started this podcast kind of with an idea of what we knew about everything, you know, like we came into it with like the survey results and we were like, okay, like we think we kind of know a lot about everything as most 20 year olds do, you know? Um, but as you get older, um, at least I hope as I get older, the more you learn, the more you learn, you don't know. I hope like the more you learn about, like the more, you know, the more you learn that you don't know, you know? Um, so the more, as the podcast went on, I was like, oh wow, I actually don't know a lot about a lot. I just continued to learn like, okay, wow. Like there's actually a lot about this topic that I don't know about and that I want to learn a lot about. And Jesus is actually like way more expansive than I thought. And church can actually be expressed in a lot more ways than I thought it could. Um, Jesus's love and God's grace is actually a lot more deep and wide and expansive than I thought it was, especially after the Marty episode, the Marty Solomon episode. Um, after the Nixola episode, I was like, wow. Like I knew that one true church mentality was wrong. And um, I knew that I knew that there was something like wrong about it. And, but even him, like that conversation challenged me. And I was like, wow, like God's church and God's family and God's people is way more expansive than I even thought it was. And so that got blown out of proportion, like for me. Um, And I just started reading the Bible a whole lot differently, started reading, um, Jesus' interactions with people a whole lot differently. And so, um, like I like I said, I kind of said a lot of this in the last episode of Space Makers, but um, a lot of things just kind of, uh, yeah, were expanded for me. And my little box that I had kind of put God in uh, was just kind of broken open <laughs> and continues to be broken open. It's just kind of flat now. And I'm kind of like, okay, like, let's just see like what happens now. Um, and I like living in that. It's uncomfortable uh, because I find a lot of security in certainty and knowing things. I love to just know things like two plus two is four. And that's that. Um, but I think that get that takes faith out of the equation. Yeah, for me, a lot of what makes said ditto. Um, and then I think also just kind of, I just find, I feel like I finally like started to gain the, like to understand the concept of grace. And I realized how that played such a little role in the way that I viewed God before. Um, and so that was a huge thing, just realizing like, oh, we can try things and make mistakes and we can learn and grow and realize that we were wrong and that's okay. And because um, I realized how much of my faith was just so like fear-based and so like putting Jesus in a box and putting God in this little box. And so it was this beautiful thing of like, I think the podcast and just being a part of these conversations just helped me so much and being like, oh, God doesn't fit in a box. And like, 
there is grace and I don't have to have everything figured out. I don't have to live my life with fear of doing something wrong or using up God's grace. And like, that's not possible. I can just do things and um, try things and be God's child. And just, you know, when you're a kid, you're just you're just doing stuff and you don't know what to do and you haven't figured things out and you're going to fall over and, and things like that. And so that was just a beautiful new way to live out my life that I feel like I learned from this whole experience. I think it is um, a good reminder to all of us that when we're open, that God can show us so much more about his character and um, especially in this particular um, series of uh, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to deconstruct and a time to reconstruct. And I really appreciate the openness that you all have had uh, to step into this space and make space for others. And um, and just the, the spirit that you have toward uh, really wanting to be authentic in your faith. And so um, we really appreciate the work that you've done on Space Makers. Please give our blessings to the rest of the space makers. And we hope to have you guys on again soon. We'll be praying for what's next for each of you. And uh, if there'll be a season two, we'll be watching to find out about that. And uh, Kevin, what do we have coming up uh, on our next podcast? Or do you want to ask the famous coffee question? Hey, hey maybe I'll do both. Okay, and, and boy, along with you, Tina, I want to thank these two ladies for joining us and having these conversations with us. Um, I, I love your spirit and the gracious way you two have talked with us through this about your podcast and about your questions. And my prayer and hope for you and your team is that, uh, boy, despite all the trappings sometimes of church and things that we sometimes see that are put on us that maybe Jesus doesn't put on us, that your faith in him just grows stronger every day. And, uh, and that you keep just pointing in his direction and others there. Um, and as Tina said, hope to come back and join us again sometime in the future. But we always ask um, before we get away. Our, our kind of theme is unity starts with a cup of coffee. So we learn a lot of people don't drink coffee. But we always ask the question this way. And if you've got another beverage, you know, tell us what it would be. But if we were to get together with you two ladies and uh, extend this conversation over coffee, how do you both take your coffee? I am a vanilla iced latte with oat milk person. Ooh, that, that yes. sounds good. Living on the edge there, yes, Megan. It's I'm very telling. good. <laughs> what about you, Isabel? I have a sensitive sensitivity to dairy, so I have to have coconut milk. That's my like that's my favorite. I'll take oat milk or whatever, but coconut milk is my favorite. Um, and there's this like local coffee shop. If you're ever in Texas, Summer Moon has the most wonderful coffee. It's right down my street and it's amazing. So that's my favorite. Well, we'd love to join you at Summer Moon. Have yeah, a cup of coffee, let's do it. And we'd do coconut milk just for you. Oh, um, thanks. <laughs> hey, folks, coming up um, next week and then the following, Rubel Shelley is going to be with us. And Rubel Shelley, years ago, among many of the books that he's written, you've probably, many of you have heard him, maybe read his works. He wrote a book that was uh, pretty life-changing for me and how I understood 
uh, our kind of restoration plea in the unity movement that, that we're a part of the Stone Campbell movement. The book was, I just want to be a Christian. And we're going to go back, talk to Rubel about some of the things that are in that book and what was happening when he wrote it and have conversations about other things as well. So join us next week, Rubel Shelley, the podcast again is the space makers. You can find it on all the platforms that are out there. Have a great week. Look forward to being with you again next week. Thank you for listening to the common grounds unity podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. You can subscribe to the essays, join our Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. And please check out the gatherings page where you can connect with other unity-minded Christians in your area. If you can't find a gathering in your area, we can help you start one. It's not difficult or time-consuming, and we'll help you out along the way. It really does simply start with a cup of coffee. If you want to volunteer or ask questions, please email john at commongroundsunity.org. And lastly, we need your help by donating to this ministry of reconciliation. Your donation is tax deductible. Links for donating are in the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.